Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, the new government wants to put roller skates on one of the most contentious pieces of legislation in the last few decades. The government's proposing changes to fast-track resource consent processes in a new bill set to go before Parliament in early March. Minister Chris Bishop says tweaking the Resource Management Act would speed up badly needed projects. Yes, we are deliberately uh, giving the executive central government more power to make sure that we can cut through the thicket of red tape that has bedeviled infrastructure projects in New Zealand for far too long. The reaction from several groups has been alarm. Environmentalists say the government's plan to bring in fast-track legislation for major infrastructure projects is war on the natural world. This is problematic uh, for New Zealanders in terms of our democratic process. Today, we're looking at how the approval process for big infrastructure projects would change, the unbridled power these changes could put in the hands of our ministers, and whether that's good for our democracy and our environment. Firstly, for a bit of Resource Management 101, here's Law Professor Andrew Geddes from the University of Otago. So Resource Management Law are the rules around uh, who can do what with their land and with the resources and who is able to have a say on how that will happen. The Resource Management Act doesn't always sound sexy, but it's the law governing soil, coastal areas, freshwater and land. So uh, people want to do things. They want to develop things. They want to carry out activities on their land uh, for very good reasons, productive reasons, etc., etc. But those actions will have consequences more widely. They will affect the people around them. They'll affect the country as a whole. And so the question is how you have that balance between allowing people to do things and allowing the people who may be affected or may have an interest in what's been done to have their say in whether it should happen or not and who gets to make the decisions about that. So resource management is really about balancing interests. Let's start this particular part of the resource management story in 2020 when the last government put this fast-track consenting uh, thing through, right, during the COVID recovery. What was that all about? In, in the midst of the, the COVID uh crisis, there was a concern that the economy was really going to suffer as a result. Everything was going to slow down. Uh, You know, it it was going to basically stall the economy. And so to try to get a bump back into the economy, uh, Labour and New Zealand First, who we must remember were in government together at the start of the COVID crisis, created a fast track uh, process to allow projects to be expedited through the resource management process so that there would be work for the construction industry to do. So there'd be things for, you know, uh, builders to get on with and the economy wouldn't get um, glued up. And and so there was uh, legislation passed that would allow uh, things to be designated uh, to go into this process to help with the COVID recovery. And then there were a variety of things uh, that were done. So, you know, uh, bike paths and uh, uh, motorway expansions, things like that. That COVID-specific reason was then broadened out when the Labour government uh, introduced its resource management reforms. Kia ora, good afternoon. The government is scrapping the 30-year-old Resource Management Act and is set to replace it with three new laws. Labour basically looked at that and said, you know what, it's actually quite useful to have a process by which the government can you know, look at certain things that it thinks are really important, developments that have you know, a real need to be put in place more quickly than would happen under the usual resource management processes. 
And it would, it would be good to have a way in which the government can choose those projects and put them before a, uh, a group of experts to decide whether they should go forward. Who's this group of experts? Well, the group of experts was basically people designated under the new resource management legislation that the Labour government put in place uh, who would you know, be able to look at the effects that the, uh, the development would have, look at the environmental effects, social effects, consider whether or not this was a good idea, consider objections and move forward more quickly than would be the case under the existing. The important point, though, was under the Labour rules, it was this expert panel that decided whether or not the thing should happen. So there was the government wasn't saying this must happen. The government was simply saying to this group of experts, you decide whether it should happen. Okay, so what happened was the minister referred the decision to this expert panel. Exactly. So the minister would choose what was uh, worthy of such uh, an examination. Then the panel would examine it and decide whether it was worth, you know, really should go ahead and mm. with what conditions attached. What would be the difference, say, from Labor's, what Labor had to what National are proposing? So we have this letter that has been sent out, which it has to be said is slightly light on detail. But what it looks like the main difference is going to be rather than ministers choosing projects to send off to these expert panels with the expert panels in deciding, you know, is it a good thing, should it go ahead? Rather, the ministers will decide this is a good thing, it should go ahead, and then send it to expert panels, which can impose some conditions on it. So can sort of say, okay, yep, it'll go ahead, but, you know, with these conditions. But the expert panel can't, apparently, according to the letter, overturn the minister's decision to do it. Right. So ministers will be deciding whether the projects will or won't happen. The expert panel will only be able to tinker around the edges with the conditions under which it'll go ahead. So the panel will have limited ability to really change anything. Exactly. So under the existing fast tracking, the ministers can decide it's important enough for an expert panel to decide. Under the letter's proposal, the minister will decide it's important and must go ahead the expert panel can then only deal with the details as opposed to make the decision. Quite a big change in terms of the amount of power that ministers can have, do you think? Indeed. It's, it's, a, it's a very large expansion of ministerial decision-making power. So ministers, and again, we don't know how ministers will make these decisions. We're not told you know, what they have to consider or what process they'll have to go through. But basically, ministers will be able to designate an issue of uh, national, regional or local importance. And if they think it's that, then they can tell these panels, this thing will go ahead. You examine it, decide what conditions must be attached, and then it'll happen. Labour has said that we could potentially see a few more cigarette factories around the, the country. Well, I mean, I think that's a tongue-in-cheek way of trying to draw attention to the fact that at the moment we don't know what will lie behind ministerial decisions here. So I mean, as it said in the letter, the ministers will decide what's important. Now, if it's as blanket as that, then, you know, a minister happens to be touring around Someone gets in the air and says, look, I really want to build a you know, housing development here, but you know, it's going to be a bit of trouble. And the minister can go away and say to one of these panels, I think this housing development's important. Let it happen. You decide what conditions are on it. Right. So you know, 
Hopefully it won't be that stark because, you know, that would be a, you know, a pretty terrible way to try to run government and make these decisions. But because all we have is this, you know, interim letter to say this is going to get set up in that vacuum, we now have to ask, well, okay, what controls will there be on this power? Newsroom's environment editor David Williams has been looking at old government policy that shares similarities to this new plan. There have been comparisons between what's proposed by uh, the national-led government in this case to uh, the late 1970s and early 80s where you had to think big projects pushed through by Robert Muldoon's national government. These much maligned think big projects which are going to earn us overseas funds that will back economic activity. I read somewhere to most people born after 1990, think big probably means very little. I was born after 1990. Really? Uh, I was. <laughs> so you might have to take me through and maybe a few other listeners too as to what think big actually was all about. Well, yeah. Um, um, I was five when the National Development Act, which uh, permitted all of this, went through. 1979? Yeah, so I was five then, and so my direct memory of uh, the Muldoon era and Think Big is probably reflected by what I've read since. Um, so I'm not going to call on a lot of personal experience here, but um, essentially there were there were real real big problems globally in the late 70s. You know, the oil crisis, and there were back before that there were carless days. The human way to select a carless day is to select the day that causes one the least inconvenience. Surely, if they choose the day on which they use the car least, then carless days must be the least effective way of reducing petrol consumption. This country wanted to really get the economy cranking and one of the ways they thought they'd do that is by making it easier for big overseas companies to come in and give us that beautiful foreign direct investment. And so there were all sorts of proposals put forward. Um, it's that kind of level of thing. A big uh, piece of kit that requires a lot of infrastructure uh, and all that beautiful money comes in and that will be great for the economy. Um, unfortunately, the postscript is didn't go well for the country, pretty bad for the coffers of Treasury. In what way? We didn't have any money. Um, in 84, I think it was, the Labour government came in and um, the, when the, uh, the sceptre passed to the new government, they went, oh, by the way, you might want to check the money bin, I think it's pretty much gone. Um, and so that's when we had all the reforms in the 80s to right. uh, make everything efficient and, and uh, privatise things. Rogernomics. Yep. If you go back to uh, our old friend Robert Muldoon in the late 70s, 1980s, I'm sitting here in Dunedin at the end of uh, Otago Harbour uh, is Aramoana. And back in the late 70s, early 1980s, ministers decided it would be a fantastic idea to put a huge aluminium smelter there. And so they used their power under the law at the time, the National Development uh, Act, to say there will be an aluminium smelter at the end of the harbour, and that was the end of it. That In law, that smelter could get built. Fortunately, the aluminium price cratered, and so it never actually did get built. But according to the ministers in the late 70s, 1980s, it was such a good idea, it should go forward irrespective of any objections. Mm. And the concern, of course, is that if you bring ministerial power back in, and have ministers deciding on their own, oh, I think I know what's a really, really good idea, bugger anyone else who's got any other thoughts, you could end up with a horrible aluminium smelter at the end of Otago Harbour that's a white elephant. 
Thinking back to Robert Muldoon, we had the, you know, the Clyde Dam, for instance, that was one of his big projects here. In 1977, work commenced on the construction of New Zealand's largest concrete gravity dam at a site just upstream of Clyde. The Clyde Dam was even more extreme because what the government did there was actually pass legislation to allow it to be built irrespective of a court decision. So they, the Clyde Dam is kind of the uh, epitome of central government using its power to you know, force through a, 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 a development that it thinks is important. Now, of course, at the same time, we do have to dial back and recognise, you know, it actually matters that things get built, right? You know, the, it is a problem if development gets so caught up in you know discussion, debate, objections that you just can't do things. Yeah. So the question is where the balance lies here between allowing things to get done, important things to get done, and making sure that you're not rushing things through basically because of the pet project of one or two people in power. Where that balance lies is going to be the question for this legislation going forward. Remember the letter from the new government that Andrew talked about earlier and that outlined all these changes? The letter also mentions changes to Te Mana or Te Wai, the policy for freshwater management. Here's David to explain. Te Mana or Te Wai is basically a hierarchy of values, if you like. When you get, a, let's say, a consent in front of you for irrigation, um, and either you want to divert a river and take the water, or you want to uh, put the water on the ground and it's going to seep through back into the groundwater, you might need a consent in both directions. So when that happens, when the decision makers, when they decide, okay, well, this is the the, the thing that we need to think about the most, it's the hierarchy of, of values associated with this. So uh, under Tamana Wai, the waterway itself, nature comes first, and then it's the health and well-being of communities and people. So things like potable drinking water, and then the commercial interests come third. And so there's a clear hierarchy. So you would think that in the first instance, if the waterway that is proposed being taken from isn't in a healthy state, that means it's less likely that uh, a consent would be granted. And so uh, the argument is, I guess, from a commercial point of view, that that isn't working for business, that business needs consents for things, and and part of business is um, using the environment to make money. Uh, on the other side, uh, it could be said, and it has been said, that this if you tweak the hierarchy of values in your consenting system, that means that the hierarchy is just completely gone. Tweaking is the same as scrapping. And mm. so if you don't put the health of the waterways first, it's not really the same thing. What you're really doing is you're putting other interests before the health of the waterways and the well-being of communities. Mm. So Te Mana o Te Wai, has, that came in place in the last few years under Labour, right? Yeah, um, there's, a, again, these great things, these, um, these policies and things that exist and acronyms and whatever else. <laughs> so it's a national policy statement on freshwater management. And that's where it came in. That was it. Kind of got its genesis, if you like, under national. It was taken on by Labour, and this Tamanoti wires has actually had uh, caused a lot of work for regional councils who deal with uh, water-related consents, and uh, they've been preparing freshwater plans uh, to cope with this. And now there's a change of government, and uh, it might all just go out the window. Yeah. So you've written a big piece in Newsroom about what people are saying about this. You've talked to pretty much, it seems like every um, group that might want to have a say, yeah? I think what you're saying is comprehensive. 
Is that right? Well, yeah, 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 that would be the word. That would be the word. <laughs> Comprehensive. Yeah. Hopefully, and very not detailed. too big to read. That would be bad. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I tried to widen the net uh, to all manner of people who might be interested in this kind of thing: farmers, uh, farming groups, the major electricity users. Uh, like TY, they're one of them, uh, foresters, and of course environmental groups as well. Because um, what you'd like, and, and it will be, there'll be more transparency about how quickly this process will happen, um, but you want to have the debate before it all happens, right? So I thought, well, I'll just try and talk to as many people as I can. Yeah, and this all happened pretty quickly, didn't it? Because, I mean, there was notification in the uh, coalition agreement with National and New Zealand First, so they were looking at this, mm-hmm. but we didn't quite know when they would come to it. So was it a surprise when you saw it in late January? The people I asked um, was it a surprise. Uh, they said what you said. So um, no, it was signalled in the coalition agreement. It doesn't seem surprising in that way. The manner in which it's being put through is a little surprising to some because um, if you go back to 1979 when the National Development Act came in, um, if you're going to fast track something, the best thing to do is to fast track the legislation which allows the fast track. And it could be that we're on the path to doing that again. Uh, the This fast track consenting was, as you said, it was signalled in the coalition agreement. Uh, they It was part of the 100-day plan. And it seems like the first reading will happen before that expiry of 100 days, which... If I've got my maths right, it was kind of 9th, 10th of March, or I can't remember exactly when, but early March anyway. And so to get to that point uh, is pretty quick. Uh, What hasn't really been, uh, well, I haven't read anything yet about that, uh, whether it will go through under urgency in total or whether there'll be a long period for people to submit on uh, what is proposed. That's a worry for Andrew. It's true that the, the consultation on the legislative proposal is minimal. It's been, you know, raced into the House very quickly. What will be important to look at is how the legislation proceeds thereafter. Will it get its full six-month usual select committee process to be scrutinised properly? Or will the government try to race it through under urgency, try to, you know, pass it as quickly as possible through the House? That would be very problematic. I mean, racing this legislation into law without proper scrutiny, giving ministers the power to essentially decide what can and can't be built according to what you know they want, that's very bad lawmaking and constitutionally questionable. So how would that work in difference, say, from the normal six-month process? So when a government introduces legislation into the House, normally that legislation gets sent to a select committee And the select committee then has six months in which the public can make submissions, the MPs on the select committee scrutinise the legislation, consider it, recommend any changes, and then it goes back to Parliament to be enacted. Mm -hmm. However, the government can, if it wants to, invoke what's called urgency and say, no, no, this needs to become law very quickly and can limit the amount of time the select committee has, can even say there will be no select committee scrutiny. So, uh, and because the government has a majority in the House, if it you know, uses that majority, it can do it. So it can do it. It would just be pretty bad lawmaking to choose to do it on something of this importance. Thanks, Andrew. Look, just um, a kind of summary question, I guess. Yeah. Would you say this is putting the economy over the environment, or is it getting things done quick because we need improvement, we need infrastructure. A government has been elected 
that says there is a need for New Zealand to develop quickly. It needs to get some projects done in a hurry. And it's proposing to change the law to allow that to happen. The cost of that is going to be that people who have an interest in what's being proposed may have concerns about it, may think it's a bad idea, will have only very limited ways to express that, and there will be very little can be done to actually stop the things from happening. So it's a consolidation and a centralization of government power because the government says it needs to do that at the cost of those who may not like what's being done, being able to oppose and prevent what is being uh, put in place. That's it for today. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by Ben Pierce. It was produced by Gwen McClure and Davina Zimmer. Thanks to Andrew Geddes and David Williams. I'm Tom Kitchen. Ma te awa.